CFB Paint back for another episode. I'm your host today, Brian. We've got Steve and Court also with us. We're going to jump right into things today because we've tried to get this pod started a few times, had some issues. That's my uh, my audio problem. But we got that all sorted out and we can talk to you about the impact transfers for the 2023 season. We've seen over the past several seasons uh, the impact that transfers can have on a college football season, the likes of Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, and Caleb Williams winning the Heisman last year. Uh, there's more more movement than ever, and it's only going to keep ramping up from here. But a lot in December, a lot after spring, and we want to just dive in to see who are going to be some of the highest impact guys uh, that will shape the the landscape of college football this next season. Corey, why don't you kick us off? All right, yeah. My first guy is Cade McNamara, the transfer from Michigan to Iowa. He lost out on the QB uh, position last year in a fight with J.J. McCarthy. Well, we kind of already talked about this. Harbaugh kind of wanted to hand J.J. McCarthy the, the keys and, and gave him an excuse to do it. Um, so Cade McNamara has transferred over to Iowa, and, and it's kind of like, I'm going to show you what I can do. Um, he's got some interesting tools around him. We, he's back in that Brian Ferenz offense, which is – we all have talked about this. That offense is terrible. Uh, I think Brian and Steven mentioned it in a past episode that he's got a new qualifier on his contract that he has to have 25 points per game or gets fired or something like that. Um, but they, in order to help him, they brought in a, two receivers and, and a transfer in a tight end. Um, Caleb Brown, four-star out of Ohio State, and then Seth Anderson, who won the Offensive Freshman of the Year in Charleston Southern. Um, those are two of their top four uh, wide receivers. And then they also got, brought in the transfer, Eric All from Michigan as well. They already have a really solid running back in Caleb Johnson. He set the freshman record for or freshman Iowa freshman record for yards rushing last year, and did pretty well. And if this offense can even reach okay, if even if Brian Ferentz gets fired and this offense averages like 17 points a game, they might be in good position. Last year, their defense held teams to 14.2 points per game, and and if they had scored 17 points per game last year, they would have gone 10 and three. Um, if they scored over 30, they would have gone 12 and one. They only scored over 30 once last year. If they scored the 25, like his contract says, they've gone, gone 11 and two. Uh, with Michigan's the only person that scored 27 points or, or, or 27 points on them, and then Ohio State scored 54 or something like that. But honestly, like I'm kind of excited to see like this rebirth. Do we actually have some teams that can challenge Ohio State and Michigan? You have Penn State, you have Wisconsin, you have Iowa. Maybe we have some interesting parts in this Big Ten. Um, for once or in the last few years, but honestly, I'm excited to see him prove himself. Like he's got a chip on his shoulder and he wants to go see something. Does he have the right offensive coordinator? Yeah. Man. That's the million dollar question there. Oh, I, I think that's such a great point. Uh, sticking out like, Hey, this defense is so good. We would have a totally different conversation about Iowa if they had a competent offense last year. And uh, with, with McNamara, he has the, it has you know decent skill set. Also has great leadership quality. Was a voted team captain at Michigan uh, before JJ McCarthy took his job. So the locker room was with him. That ultimately, you know, Harbaugh said, "I, I think I see where the talent is and where I want to go." But um, that that's also a strong quality to have. It, it is just a matter of, hey, can can we work with this person who has no proven track record of, uh, I guess, no recent track record of of a potent offense. He also has the confidence. Like I, I just loved how he was on that one podcast. I'm, I'm reading a, a an article on it. He was on the Room podcast, and during his appearance, he said, "Quote: Please just keep saying this is the blankiest offense in college football." 
<laughs> please just think we're going to be so blanky next year, please. Like, just letting them people have, yeah, keep talking, keep saying stuff. Um, so he is not shying away from the offensive reputation at Iowa and seems very much set out to to change that. That's cool. Yeah, and it would be be awesome to see, you know, whoever comes out of the, the Big Ten West um, not be a complete rollover to whoever, you know, you're playing Michigan, you're playing Penn State, you're playing Ohio State. Um, but to, to really have some suspense in, in what's going to happen uh, for the outcome for that game. So if you can get – decent offensive play at, at Iowa, then you never know if they're, uh, you know, their defense comes and brings their absolute a game. They're, they're problem for absolutely anyone. So that would be, that'd be nice. A, a, a nice sight next season. Uh, Steve, why don't you take us next? Yeah. Uh, the first one that I had, and maybe this is cherry picking, but uh, one of the top rated transfers, if you look at transfer portal rankings, I don't know how many people are, are that deep in the weeds. I am, uh, but A.D. Mitchell from Georgia transferred to Texas. I am pretty excited about this one because it just gives the Texas offense another element. You have Xavier Worthy. You have Isaiah Nair. You have Jatavian Sanders as a tight end. The aerial attack that the Longhorns will present to, to defenses this next year is going to be pretty formidable. I, I'm, you know, Ohio State is, is probably the best in terms of you know pass catching weapons I, I don't know if i see anyone else between them and texas i think texas is, is your clear cut number two ad mitchell it, for those that maybe don't recognize that name uh only appeared in four games this past season uh, was injured um scored a touchdown against oregon but that, that may not be impressive because who didn't score a touchdown for georgia against oregon but uh, also scored a touchdown against ohio state in the semifinal game I think he's been needing just the the opportunity, and obviously, provided he's healthy, he gives that offense another dynamic and, and another deep threat. My only concern about me putting him as one of my impact transfers is the amount of targets he's going to receive, just with with so with such a, a depth of talent when it comes to pass catching pass catching options for the Longhorns. Will he get enough targets to make a, a real real impact? I I think so. But it wouldn't surprise me if there's other times where there's matchups that favor one of their other pass-catching weapons, and and they, they focus on those because I trust Sarp to to really find the mismatches and and to continue to give his playmakers down the field lots of opportunities. So I, I think AD is a is a good bet to to have a a big impact on Longhorns' offense this year. And being that he doesn't have to be the number one or number two wide receiver, you have him as number potentially a backup or number three even. He, that's a great player to have. I mean, and and a, a great opportunity to find a lot of mismatches as well. Absolutely. If that's cherry picking, this next one is, is really something else. Uh, I have Travis Hunter uh, as one that I'm going to highlight for impact players. Um, the the most notable the transfer, transfer to <laughs> <laughs> the highest rated transfer in the transporter rankings for anybody who's curious also was the number one player in his class out of high school. Um, and, and the most notable transfer to uh, the Colorado Buffaloes, who will be, I'm sure, talking about a lot throughout the season, um, just seeing how that experiment goes. We've never seen anything quite like it. Um, but this guy is legit. Uh, he he deserved the ranking out of high school. He's a freaky athlete uh, with really good ball skills. Um, just when that ball's in the air, he, he very good body control. He's got good uh, athleticism to get up in the air, but he just seems to, to have it all right. Um, 
and I, I think this year we'll see a lot more of him as a wide receiver kind of coming out of high school and in some of his time at Jackson state, although he had some injuries to work through um, was more of a, a cornerback that people would talk about. Like that's where he's going to go. Obviously played both ways in high school. Um, but given the spring game and given the, the quality of competition that Colorado is going to be going up against and the need for touchdowns, I think we'll see him on the offensive side of the ball a lot. And, and his highlights are going to keep us talking about Colorado. A lot of things will keep us talking about Colorado, but his, his will be uh, among the things that will keep us focusing on them throughout the season. So uh, before we go too far into this list of different players we want to talk about, want to want to make sure that that one gets noted because uh, he will be on your television screens. They won't let you forget his name. Uh, and he, he's really, really good. And and I'm sure they'll talk about Florida state missing out on him too, as well. Cause they bring that up every chance well, they get. Yeah. You got to make sure to have every player has got that one little blip where you got to know. And it's like, Oh, he snubbed Florida state on, on signing day. We're not bitter. Yeah. No worries. I also wonder, though, how much he's going to get double teamed if, if he plays on the offensive side of the ball. And then if he's a quarterback, great. He's playing single coverage and shut down, you know, the best wide receiver. But if he, if he plays on the offensive side of the ball, it'll be interesting to see how much he actually gets exposed because I don't imagine that they have enough weapons to kind of keep him open. So, No, and that goes, you know, I'm trying to remember the the Kent State, the, the offensive coordinator there. Um, one of you might be able to remind me, but – you know, how, how much can he scheme with the players that he's got? Because it's all bringing it all together. You know, Shadur Sanders is an upgrade at the quarterback position for them. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. I think there are going to be times you have to get scheme him, not even scheme him open, just scheme him one-on-one. Um, if you can yeah, if you get that kind of coverage, that's favorable at all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's Sean Lewis, Brian. Sean Lewis. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Steve pretends like he knew that. He looked it up again. I did. I did. I, I don't deny that. I, I did have it in my head. I was like, I think it's Sean Lewis, but let me confirm. Um, yeah, I, maybe we should have determined like what, what constitutes an impactful transfer, because you're right. Travis Hunter, I think, will make them better, but I don't see him. I, well, I, I just I, I don't know what to think of Colorado. I am concerned about their offensive line and in, in being able to block anyone. So Reasonable. how much impact does he have on the offensive side of the ball? I don't know. I think that that's so, in certain respects out of his hands, which to me is, is, is a little bit nerve wracking, but that was kind of my thought process. Like who actually fundamentally changes this team from where they were last year to where they were this year out. Now, obviously Colorado is maybe, you know, they're a totally different team, right? So like right. Uh, they're, they weren't one piece away. They were about 85 scholarship pieces away, but I don't know. That was one that I considered, but I thought like, you know what? I, I don't know how much he, he moves the needle in terms of like changing outcomes for games. Like you're right. He's going to be a highlight reel without, without doubt. I, you just have seen enough from him competing against uh, players at the highest level in high school and making them look foolish that he, he's good for one or two of those plays a game. But I don't know if it ultimately makes a giant impact on the Buffalo's fortunes as a whole. That yeah, was my thought. I don't think it's gonna. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna spring them to like a bowl game or anything like that. But I look at, um, kind of remembering my ACC days uh, back when Maryland was in there. Stefan Diggs playing at Maryland was was that guy who was just unreal. Um, and and there's a chasm between him and the next best player on the roster. Um, and what they would be without Stefan Diggs is a totally different picture than what they are with him. And I see a kind of similar situation uh, in Colorado. Fair. Uh, Corey, why don't you give us the next one? So my next one is is Desan McCullough, the linebacker out of Indiana. 
Um, he was the highest rated recruit ever to commit to Indiana. It was like the, in the 40s or 60s or something like that. And he played in all 12 games this last year, tied the team, tied for the team lead in sacks, four sacks last year, and was seventh on the team in tackles. And for I think he only started like four or five games. So that's not bad for a freshman. Made the all made a multiple all freshman, all American, all freshman, whatever uh, rosters. But he's, he's transferring to Oklahoma. I'm interested and excited to see how he gets used in Oklahoma. I feel like Brent Venerables. You have some some defensive coordinators that work from like your defensive backs up, and then some work for your lineman kind of back. I think Brent Venerables kind of is like a little mix of his lineman and his linebackers. From his watching him in Clemson, just how ferocious and how all-encompassing his linebackers were. I'm excited to see how they're going to use this on McCullough. And I really expect him to be just use his athleticism, just kind of be all over the field. And I, I honestly think this OU team is going to be a completely different team. I mean, they're not a six and seven team or whatever they were last year. They're going to be much higher than that. So. Yeah. You also have junior Danny Stutzman coming back with that linebacker core, who I thought was a really solid player when healthy last year. Um, and so kind of adding to that, I, I'm a big Brent Venables believer, um, having watched that Clemson team and, and some of the things that they do, um, where the offense is up with a, a Trevor Lawrence or a Deshaun Watson or that's down, I, I feel like he was always um, somebody who, get, who gave them a good shot and they didn't need their best day on offense to win games. Um, so I, I think that's a major tool given to a, a very talented coach. Did he blank Ohio State in one of the semifinals? I can't remember. It was like a 31 nothing. Oh, I'd have to check on that. <laughs> Yeah, a few years back, I think you're right. Yeah, so we know he's an OC or a DC that has a great mind and can and can utilize the defensive players he has. We'll just see how he has the fares at, at Oklahoma. Steve. Yeah, the next one I had, and it's kind of a a, a transfer plus coordinator combo. So uh, one without the other, I'm not sure I'm quite as as thrilled about. But Brandon Armstrong to NC State from UVA pairing up with Robert and I, his former offensive coordinator at Virginia. That's a really intriguing connection to me. Uh, I, I think the change in mentality from offensive coordinators there, uh, Tim Beck is, is now the head coach at Coastal Carolina. I know that the fans of, of the Wolfpack were not thrilled with his offensive approach. Uh, Robert and I has always shown to be able, he's ran like four different offenses in his career. So He's shown the ability to adapt to his personnel and he has familiarity with his personnel, knows what Brennan's capable of. Brennan had a really poor year last year under new, uh, new head coach. And I don't know if he's calling the plays, but is an, uh, has an offensive background in Tony Elliott. It just didn't work. It wasn't the right fit. I, I think a lot of the supporting cast also left and that obviously makes things a bit more challenging, but I'm excited to see what Brennan Armstrong can do at NC state where NC State's defense is is going to be salty. It always is. Their offense has been pretty good in the last little bit. I mean, Devin Leary had, was a really talented player. It was interesting to see him move on from that situation. But I, I think with the coordinator change and with this transfer quarterback, I expect that the Wolfpack will be able to attack down the field a little bit more than they have in the past. And that's with some talented pass catchers that they had. For whatever reason, they didn't like to throw the ball deep, and particularly on early downs. And, and I think that that's something that will allow them to be less predictable and therefore more explosive as defenses aren't able to key in on 
uh, on a lot of the running attack that they would typically do under their previous coordinator. So I'm very interested to see if Brandon Armstrong and Robert and I can work together to get NC State over that eight, nine win hump. You know, they, they haven't been able to get over that 10 or get to that threshold of 10 wins in a long time. So, um, or ever, maybe even the more I think about that, I'll need to need to take a look at that. But I remember they were one of the teams that was most disappointed that their COVID bowl game got canceled because they were going to get 10 wins with a bowl game and the game got canceled. So, or they were, had an opportunity to, I, I think they were going to, I think they were playing UCLA. So remind me, Steve, Robert and I, was he the OC last year at Syracuse with uh, Garrett Schrader? Yes. So he's used to that. I mean, and he's also been with Armstrong before, but he's like used to that mobile quarterback. He knows how to work well with that mobile quarterback. It'll be interesting to see how he does. Also, I think Tim Beck moved from NC State or from, uh, sorry, from Virginia to Syracuse. Is that correct? Um, but I, I did I say Tim Beck? I think I said the wrong name. Okay. Um, yeah, because the whoever the the quarterbacks coach at Syracuse who was promoted to offensive coordinator, who's a, a longtime Robert and I disciple. Yeah. And so I think that's Tim Beck. Okay. And I and I don't know. Gosh, Sorry, now Jason it's gonna. Beck. You said Jason Beck. Yeah. Oh, Jason Beck. Yeah, I think it, is it Tim Beck who's the head coach at Coastal Carolina who was just the offensive coordinator at NC State. Maybe I got him mixed up because the last name is the same. Yeah, I got him mixed up. I think you got him right. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, correct. you saw what happened to – Carolina. All right, yeah. But you saw what uh, – and I was able to do at Syracuse. He just picked up right where he left off. Like, yeah. at Virginia, they put up a boatload of points. He went to Syracuse with arguably lesser personnel and, and made things happen there too. He knows how to scheme. He knows how to evaluate his personnel, find out what they do well, and how that can exploit a defense's weaknesses. He's really good at that. He's always been good at it. Um, and, and just I think the, the the bevy of offenses he's been exposed to, again, he at one point was an offensive coordinator running uh, sort of a, a pro-style-ish offense here at BYU and, and then spent time underneath Rich Rodriguez at Arizona, picked up some of the hurry-up, no-huddle stuff. Came back to BYU, ran that with Taysom Hill. He's done a lot of different things. So if there's something that he finds that it works with his personnel and that's going to be able to take advantage of any deficiency he finds in a defense, he's got the tool book to do it, or the tool set to do it, and the playbook to do it. So I'm excited to see how that one shakes out. And NC State, again, is always a tough out in the ACC. I'm excited to see if they can get the 10 wins this year. Yeah, I thought NJ Morris looked pretty good at the end of last season and was kind of one of the things that was pushing um, Leary out in the first place. And then they come and bring in uh, Armstrong. I don't know that that's what it was, but that's what I was assuming with with the injury and good performance from NJ Morris. But now you give Morris, he's still on the roster. He was a true freshman last year. So he has time to develop and, and kind of have a more natural progression in his college career, which I think is really good for him overall. Um, he might not like the idea of sitting out a year because of that, but um, it, it really kind of sets this not only the team up good for this year but for years going forward um you're you're looking a lot more short up than you were a moment ago where you're kind of gambling not gambling but putting it all on you know a red shirt or not retro freshman a true sophomore to to deliver for you um i'll keep things rolling i'm gonna go on the defensive side of the ball looking at bear alexander coming from georgia to usc um and this is looking a little bit at um a little bit prospecty. Um, Bear Alexander is somebody who out of high school, we expect a lot from, we haven't seen loads of production on the field, but 
everyone still seems pretty high on him as a, as a prospect overall. And the reason this is a really big deal is because USC's defense uh, was the problem last year. Um, UFC had a USC had, it, I think it only had the Oregon State game where I felt like their offense couldn't couldn't move the ball consistently down the field and score points. Um, outside of that, very potent offense. Um, you have the Heisman winner Caleb Williams, and he he's you know at times he's doing things all by himself, but making things happen there. And you have Dorian Singer coming in uh, as another tool for him on the offensive side of the ball. But that defense. Um, good turnover margin, really poor tackling, uh, and really, really not physical at the point of attack um, when they needed to be. So th- that I think has the potential to be really high impact. Also has potential to be no impact um, because of again the prospect nature of Bear Alexander. Um, not a proven thing that we've seen yet at the college level for, for large quantities. You know, you you get he got some field time, you see flashes, but you're really projecting into what can you do when we give you a lot of more snaps. Um, and you've got another year working on your, working on your body, working on your health. Um, but the USC defense just desperately needs it. And so Alex Grinch in year two, he's going to need to turn things around for that defense, or this might be his last year at USC as a defensive coordinator. Um, so this one's interesting because I, I don't, it's the one that I'm least sure of being a high impact, uh, transfer, but, uh, it has a real possibility to be because of the, the growth that that the room for growth there is for that defense as a whole. Yeah. The USC and their transfers and also their recruiting is just crazy to me. Like they flipped the team that fast and they're getting even better players to come in. If you want to go win a Blitnikoff award or, or, or a Heisman award, you go work for, or go to Lincoln Riley and, and kind of get that opportunity. Um, speaking of their recruiting, they've picked up five commits in the last 24 hours. So um, dang. Hot on the trail. Yeah. <laughs> Scorching high. Yeah. Corey, who do you Two got? Those are Florida State targets, which is I'm not happy about, but whoa, that's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll sulk on our on our own time with those ones for sure. Uh, Corey, who else you got? Um, so speaking of USC, I'm gonna go against the right with the rivals, uh, UCLA in Carson Steele. Um, running back out of ball state, two star recruit. Um, if you haven't read the story about this kid, you guys should get read the stories about this kid. But um Last year, they had Zach Charbonnet. He went second round to the Seahawks. I don't expect this to, like, to bring up their team a lot better, but he's going to be the replacement. This guy is going to be awesome. He had 1,160 yards after contact last year, leading the FBS in that. Uh, he 96 force missed tackles, second only to B. John Robinson. It, I mean, he was playing for Ball State, so that they're a lesser team, but he still played quality of players. Averaged 5.4 car- yards a carry. Um, and then... Like, imagine where he will be behind an actual UCLA offensive line versus a Ball State UCLA offensive line. I mean, this is going to be very interesting and, and exciting to watch. And if you haven't read the stories about him, like, his high school or around his town, he's known for, like, pushing his mom's minivan for working out. He has a pet alligator named Crocky J, and the Ball State fans are blowing blow up alligators to the, in the stands. Like, this is a fun kid. You got to go sit there and just watch what he's doing and who he is. Also, UCLA is just doing fun things over there. Like last year, they brought in chess to help their quarterbacks and their team kind of work on their decision-making and their focus. And it started off with the quarterbacks and then kind of got spread through the entire team. And then on top of that, they're bringing in Ken Niamatololo from the Navy to be the director of leadership, player leadership with them to help them teach how to be better leaders. Well, you just had a guy teaching military kids you think he probably learned a thing or two about, the, you know, creating leaders. So 
Chip Kelly's kind of going all over the place and kind of creating all these interesting things. And I'm just excited to see how Carson Steele fits into this and how UCLA does. Honestly, when Chip Kelly came back from the NFL, I did not think he was going to be a good coach. I think people, I thought people were going to have figured him out. And also he, he had the weapons he needed in, Oklahoma, in Oregon to be phenomenal, but he's only shown that he can rise to the task and adjust to the league as it changes. So I'm excited to see how they do. That Pac-12 is not going to be easy to win. No, it's not at all. And I like the Carson Steele, you know, pick for an impact player because I don't think UCLA has named their starter for next season, but it could be Dante Moore. Um, he's a true freshman. And, and so if, if that is the case, then, you know, nobody's going to go out there and go, okay, I got a true freshman quarterback. We're just slinging it all the time. You know, you're going to need that reliable play, which they had last year in, Char- um, in Zach Charbonnet. Uh, but they're, they're going to be looking for, you know, a similar, similar, if not greater output from Carson Steele in the upcoming season. Yeah, I hadn't, I, I didn't know much about him. So that's kind of interesting. I'll have to read more into it after you kind of explain who he is. I had heard lots of buzz that he, everyone expects him to, to do some big things, but I, I'd never once seen him play. Definitely hadn't heard about the pet alligator. Wow. Yeah, be... <laughs> All right. For, for my final one, uh, to me, again, like, like I said, uh, impact, what I'm looking for is those that can kind of take a team from point A and get them to point B. Again, what that what that is is probably defined on a case by case scenario, but I know that one area that the University of Miami really struggled with was linebacker, and they got a really good one. Um, they got a, his younger brother may start at right tackle for him, but he's a really good player in his own right. Francisco Mauingoa played at Washington State last year. Do you know he had a ninety yard interception return for a touchdown as a linebacker? You got to move if you can do that. It's against Oregon. It's an insane play. I mean, it obviously jumps the route, but just then has has the juice and the speed to go 90 yards against some of the players on Oregon's offense and take it take it to the house. Uh, I I think that was a big weakness on Miami, and I think provided he's healthy, that weakness has been plugged. I don't think that's going to be an issue for them anymore. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to. Uh, or it probably won't be the same playbook for Florida State running counter about 40 times uh, against uh, against Miami th- this year. If you've got playmakers like Francisco Mauringoa in position to make different make a difference and and to to make some stops, so that one to me I think has the ability to really impact Miami's from a defensive perspective, uh, especially with some of the things that they've got on the the defensive the exterior of their line they've got a, a what i think should be a pretty salty pass rush interior of their defensive line you got to keep him clean that's the thing that i think might might potentially hold him back but he's a really instinctful player um has all the physical tools and 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 the requisite athleticism to make plays and i think he's going to be put in a position to do so yeah miami relied a lot on uh true freshman linebacker play last year um which is not something that anybody usually wants to do and you know there's a number of reasons that it led to that. And I like that you said like that, that issues of concern is, is gone for them because they do have like the recruiting, the high school players that are coming in are good, uh, but you got to have somebody to play now. And that guy's done it and, and will do it in a big way. Um, I think that's a really good shout. I'm going to stick with the same position, uh, but move to, uh, uh, I, I talked about USC before I'm going to move to another playoff hopeful and that's LSU. Uh, LSU brings in, Oregon State uh, transfer Omar Spates to go be beside Harold Perkins. There's there's two reasons I think this is really big. Um, 
uh, I guess three. I don't know. There's a lot. Number one, defensive backfield overall is a big question mark. Um, they've brought in a ton of transfers to try and backfill that. I, I thought about Denver Harris from one of these, but I was like, ah, who knows how a high impact a single defensive, you know, player in the best defensive, defensive backfield can be. Um, but when you have a linebacker play that's that's good and can kind of help things get sorted out before it gets uh, too messy at times, uh, that's going to be huge. The other part is you have somebody who can keep Harold Perkins free to, to do whatever he needs to do. Um, in the spring, he's kind of moved to a Mike linebacker role. Last year, he's you know, maybe the best edge rusher uh, towards the end of the season that, that there was. Um, and I expect him to kind of float around and do a lot of different things for LSU this year because he is the most talented, perhaps the most talented defensive player in the country, Harold Perkins. So he's going to be a true sophomore. Uh, Omar Spates is more of a traditional Mike linebacker in the sense that he, he sniffs out the ball in a, uh, to, to compare him to somebody. It's very common in sports. We compare people to people or players to people who are way better than them. But like Luke Keekley esque where it's like, he just seems to know where the ball is going to be. And he gets loads of tackles. Uh, he has, you know, eight, nine, 10 tackle games every game. Uh, he's played four full seasons of college football. Um, because COVID year, you have uh, additional uh, eligibility, but the least amount of tackles he had this season is 63. He had 83 last year. Um, so somebody who knows where the ball is going to be, somebody's going to be able to plug up uh, the, the holes in the run game, somebody who's going to find that quarterback where they're trying to leak out of the pocket um, and you know stop them before they're scampering for a first down. I think the solid play you get from him allows uh, LSU to be a little bit more creative with their more talented players uh, like Harold Perkins and, and really cause some havoc. So to go from, you know, stopping plays overall to, okay, let's, let's get this, you know, three and out, let's get a big negative play or, or a turnover that can really put our offense in an advantageous situation. Um, so I, you know, I think he's far from the best player on this defense. You know, they have uh, Mason. Oh, I'm going to get the name wrong. Is it Mason Smith? Who's the, the D tackle? Mason Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Mason Smith, who, who didn't get to play almost at all last season. Really, really good player. I already mentioned Perkins, uh, but Spates, the role that he'll play would be critical for them if they are to make it to that next level to, you know, competing closer against Georgia, perhaps in the SEC title and, and vying for a playoff spot. Brian, I think this is a great call. I think, honestly, this he's a, like, he's worth an extra win on my win totals list to them because of what it allows you to do. We There are so many questions on the, on the defensive backs. But like that defensive line and the linebacker, I mean, you don't have a better linebacker tandem in the, in the nation, in my opinion, than those two. And if they can shut down everything in the middle, good luck. Like you've got to move the ball somehow. Yeah, I, I think I was the first on, on the Omar Spates fan fan club. I, I feel like I just need to call out out and, and give myself that credit. I think I said it on a previous version of this pod. Maybe not. Maybe it was just in our texts, but. Uh, I, I got the receipts. Uh, I, I'm right there with you, Brian. I think that's a big, big pickup for the Tigers just because he's always – he's consistently in the right place. Um, you're right. He, he may not be like a blow-you-away-with-his-athleticism type of player, but, man, the, what he does in terms of unlocking those other playmakers to go fly around and make plays because the, you know that you've got a reliable, consistent, and extremely productive player uh, right, right by your side. Man, it's it's going to be exciting. Um, it's that that I think is a is a is a pretty big pickup for the for the Tigers as well. Uh, so I haven't gone through each pick three players, but I'm I'm curious if we can get just a quick kind of best of the rest. Who else was maybe in your consideration set? Um, uh, players you thought oh they might be up up in the top of who would be impactful. 
Um, Steve, I gave you no forewarning on this. Oh, and I'll give Steve his credit. He texted us probably within the hour that Omar Spates entered the transfer portal and said, this Florida State should go get this guy. I want um, that so, guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, he, he was the first of the fan club. We won't deny that. But uh, I've joined the club since and, and think that it's a really good get for LSU. Um, but Steve, who else did you have in mind for uh, potential impact yeah, transfers? I looked at I looked at two other two others that I considered and and both of them I think are are a little bit of a roll of the dice, um, but but both have the potential to pay off pretty big. First one I've said was Hudson Card. Uh, he's that now will likely be will be the starting quarterback at Purdue. Obviously they're going through a coaching change. Graham Harrell is going to be that offensive coordinator, so they're doing more of a an air raid offense. Hudson Card is is proven himself to be number one extremely tough. You know fought through several injuries at Texas. Uh, but also a very capable quarterback. You know, maybe not quite on Quinn Ewers' level. That's no knock against him. Quinn Ewers is a potentially all-world. But I, I think for the system, like, that could be an interesting marriage. I, again, I don't know if I've seen him really in a true air raid-type offense, so we'll see how he a- adapts and how Graham Harrell uh, tailors that offense to Hudson Card's skill set because he does. he's pretty mobile, too, can make plays with his legs. So that was one I, I was interested in. The other one, this is like a, a very much a boomer bust pick, but JoJo Earl at TCU, he made some big plays at Alabama. Was not super consistent there. I think I don't want to besmirch him, but it sounded like he may have been in the doghouse with the coaches here and there. On that, you know, didn't always play, and so I'm, I'm a little unclear as to why that might be the case. But I mean, if you want to talk about some some opportunities for someone to go in and step in and fill some shoes right away. Like there's a lot of receiving firepower that needs to kind of, you know, Quentin Johnston is gone. Obviously they'll probably be changing up the offense a little bit with Kendall Bryles being the new offensive coordinator, but he got a really good weapon in Jojo Earl. So I'm excited to see how that one plays out. Yeah. For me, Brian, um, I'm looking at Tanner Mordecai transfer from SMU to Wisconsin. Um, I'm just kind of excited to see him in, with Luke Fickle. And then, um, oh, wow, who's the OC that just tra- came over from Phil Longo. Yeah, Phil Longo. And to see how he utilizes him, because it'll be kind of fun. He just made Drake May amazing and made Drake May a million dollars. Not that Drake May's talent didn't help him that, that, as well, but like this, this his, the way he designs his offense is going to be great. And so I'm excited to see how Wisconsin does in that, in that and specifically Tanner, Tanner Mordecai in that offense, assuming he wins the, the quarterback position. Um, the other thing is, is I haven't mentioned is, is we haven't mentioned a single Florida State transfer. And if you're depending on which rankings you're looking at, like on three, two, four, seven, Florida State picked up anywhere from four to six of the top 30 transfers. You can go and pick up a, a number of them. If you want Fentrell Cypress, who didn't look particularly great in spring, we'll see how he ends up doing. Or Jeremiah Byers, the offensive tackle that everybody wanted. Or Jaheim Bell that everybody wanted, um, the tight end. Um, there, there's a, quite a number of people on Florida State that, or even Keon Coleman, who recently, who Ole Miss wanted and and Florida State wanted, and then Ole Miss went and got the backup wide receiver on there from UTSA. Um, but I think altogether they'll make a huge impact. I think one separately, if you just had one, it would have made a huge impact. But you have so many transfers that are actually high quality on that team that you can't probably pick just one. So I, I'm saying the Florida State transfers as a whole. Yeah, no, I I looked at that because that was, you know, a team that brought in a lot and a lot of high quality transfers. And you go, well, a lot of, you know, the the best pieces at Florida State are still Jordan Travis, Johnny Wilson, you know, players who transferred, but years ago. Um, (laughs) And and 
you know, that whole roster has been built on transfers, but there wasn't any one that I could say, like, this is the one who puts the whole thing over the edge. Cause like you add, you know, three new def- defensive linemen, a couple of defensive tackles in the end. And it's hard to say like, Oh, between those three, who's going to be the, the one that pushes it over the edge. Um, yeah, but definitely right. like something to know. Deep, you have like seven players that aren't transfers. That's about it. Yeah. It's a, uh, and part of that is the world of the NCAA now. And the other part is just how, uh, Mike Norvell has gone about revamping the roster uh, since he got to Florida State. Um, and, and a little bit before that, I think Jordan Travis transferred before Mike even got there. Um, uh, I'll just give a, a quick couple. Uh, th- th- I'll do my homer pick alongside Corey. Um, Treshawn Ward at Kansas Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State has the quarterback figured out. Will Howard was really good for them down the stretch uh, at the end of last season after he took over for uh, Martinez but they're losing a huge asset uh, with Deuce as a running back uh, and needed to replace that. I think Treshawn Ward is not Deuce. Um, he's not Deuce Vaughn, but he is a very good running back. He's really good uh, between the tackles, really good before the line of scrimmage. Um, first few steps, really good. He's got great vision. Doesn't have the breakaway speed. That's the big thing that you'll see different uh, as that season goes along for Kansas State is when Deuce Vaughn would have taken that one to the house Treshawn Ward will get caught by somebody in the secondary. And that's kind of his limitation. But I think he's still a really, really nice back. Um, somebody who, you know, I'm, I'm not happy to see leave Florida State, but glad to see him get a bigger spotlight for, for his sake. Um, big, big Treshawn Ward fan. Uh, another one that I want to point I'm out is... I'm more of a Treshawn Ward fan than I am... Who's the running back right now at Florida State? Uh, Benson. Trey Benson, I, really? I prefer, I prefer Treshawn to Benson because I feel like Treshawn doesn't take... He doesn't take seconds to get started. He's he gets the ball and he's gone. He's going to get you three or four yards almost every single time, whereas Benson get get, get hit in the background, backfield a little bit. So I'm I'm really high on him and I'm excited to see him. I follow him on Instagram. Yeah. See how he does that work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I'd agree with that uh, assessment. Like it, it, Benson, he's the one who you can't let get loose for a second because then he's a problem down the field and he's breaking every arm tackle out there. Um, but probably not good as good before the line of scrimmage as Trayson Ward. Um, Devin Leary is the other one I want to point out. I, we talked about him, you know, getting potentially pushed out by, by good play from younger players. And that's never a good sign when you're more experienced and older and recovering from injury. Um, and this is a combination, uh, of coordinator and, um, and player again, because that offense really didn't move at all. They have a second round draft pick, not a first round draft pick, Will Levis, um, who, who doesn't have a very good season. Uh, especially compared to the season prior. Um, so they bring in new OC and they've got a quarterback who's been there, done that uh, at a really high level for NC state. Um, I think we could see a pretty notable turnaround for Kentucky this year um, relative to last year. They're, they're kind of, uh, there's a lot of interesting teams to like see in that SEC East, but particularly I look at them in South Carolina as like, we'll see, we'll see, you know, what, what kind of noise they're able to make um, just kind of different rosters, different things happening there. I, I hesitate to, you know, there's a reason I didn't pick them as my top three impact players because they might wind up exactly where they were last season. Um, that, that's a very real possibility of the result of this. Um, but I, I think we're going to see improvement on that offense and and a good bit of that credit will go to, to Devin Leary. Cool. Well, that'll wrap up our impact transfers that we wanted to go over this week. Short show for the week. Any parting shots before we get headed off for the next week? I called Florida State and Oklahoma in the championship game. I don't know what the score is right now, but it's four go. nothing Oklahoma. I'm not. I'm not surprised. Oklahoma's the number one ranked team in the nation by a long shot. 
But this is even for, got a for those of you who are, are are not listening to our previous episode with us now. This is now a softball podcast, and, and that's what this is referencing. Uh, that Corey was was calling for a uh, you know a repeat of the Cheez It Bowl only in the national title for this next season. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, no no further parting shots from the crew. Uh, we'll sign off. We are on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on TikTok now. Um, CFB Paint on all of those. If that doesn't work, CFB Paint underscore. I believe that's our Twitter handle these days. Um, follow us there. We're putting out more and more content and and little bits for you to enjoy. Uh, trivia questions and uh, clips from the podcast as well. So make sure to to give us some likes there and some love. Give us questions, things that you want us to address and talk about in our you know our next episodes of the pod. And if you haven't, make sure to leave us a five star review and recommend us to your friends. Appreciate you spending time with us. Catch you next week. Peace.